Hey, Ryan, how do I get project-based learning started at my school? I've gotten some form of this question nearly every day for the last decade from engaged educators just like you. So at Magnify Learning, we've created a free download to get you started. Whether you're a superintendent, principal, coach, or teacher, go to whatispbl.com to get started on your project-based learning journey today. Are you ready to bring project-based learning to your school? The PBL Simplified Podcast will help equip you for your PBL journey with weekly need-to-knows, engaging interviews, PBL showcases from facilitators in the classroom, and PBL leadership episodes to move you towards a successful implementation of PBL. Because every learner deserves to be a part of an inspiring story, and we see daily that project-based learning helps make this happen. If you want me to answer your PBL need-to-know on the podcast, visit whatispbl.com and click on Ask Ryan to submit your question. All right, PBL Simplified audience, you are going to love today's guest. We've got Dr. Dan Krinas on with us. Dan has got some really amazing work that he's doing, and I'm going to open him up with the title of his dissertation. Listen to this, Transformational Leadership to Inspire Growth Mindset in Classroom Teachers. PBL Simplified audience, you know that that is right up our alley. So we have some very similar values. I'm really excited to have Dan on the on the podcast. So Dan, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about that dissertation? Yeah, thanks so much. And um, the dissertation I completed uh, a, a couple of years ago now in 2020. Yes, it was uh, toward the start of the pandemic. Uh, either way, I was going to defend my dissertation over Zoom, but that was an interesting process. And uh, you know, basically, what I did was I studied uh, current school administrators, and I and I used a, uh, a survey to figure out whether or not they were already using much of what I would expect leaders to use who are practicing transformational leadership in terms of their policies and practices. And then, uh, and then I interviewed them and I studied them and I wanted to see what is it that they're doing that could potentially change the mindsets or, or change toward a growth mindset in teachers. And what I was really looking to do, because I studied this a lot as part of the dissertation, was I, I really wanted to find ways that l- school leaders, and I didn't really want to lump it into like just principals or assistant principals, although those were the ones that I really studied. Um, you know, I think school leaders are, are teacher leaders and people like me who are instructional coaches as well. But I wanted to find out what they could do to help kind of combat or at least fight through teacher resistance. Um, And so I researched what resistance to change was. And basically, this dissertation was kind of my answer to that question, like, how do we deal with or how do we meet teacher resistance and then help kind of sway them in the, uh, the growth mindset direction? I, that's great. We talk about vision and change process a lot on the podcast with leaders. So this idea of you know, kind of addressing teacher resistance for a lot of different reasons, right? Like we we look at the innovation curve a lot. So sometimes we just have innovators that are ready to move. Sometimes we have late majority or laggards that you know appropriately might not want to move. And uh, but also moving mindsets is a huge start, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. It, it was interesting to uh, to look into how you know I don't think it's extensively researched, but how research based uh, resistance and resistance to change really is. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that anyone listening right now can think of a time when they've met, you know, if they're a school leader uh, or some kind of leader that they've met resistance from their staff, or even if you're, you know, a classroom teacher and you can remember whether it's yourself or someone else being resistant. I know a lot of times uh, people think that sort of the longer you're in education, the more resistant you get. And the more set in your ways and and in your comfort zone you might be, so the, those veteran teachers, um, and to be honest, it, it is it is kind of like that uh, more often than not, uh, and, and that's what the research shows. But yeah, you know, so much of it we hear a lot of the times in education, like build relationships with students or or um, gradually release your instruction over to your students. So much about student empowerment, and yet. We're still in, in the year 2022 seeing that a lot of teachers are just uncomfortable turning time over to their students and trusting their students. And um, I've always felt like teachers, because they are so passionate about what they do and they're so personally invested in the art of teaching that they want to be in control. And, um, and at this point, that's really kind of the opposite of what we look for teachers to do in education. And so I think that that growth mindset piece has so much to do with that. Yeah, I, I like that you tackled it in teachers as well, right? We talk about it a lot with our students, but I like that we're, you're tackling it with, with teachers. That's good. Hey, we talk a lot about our why for education, like why we get into this field. You just mentioned it for some teachers, you know, this this personal mission and vision that we often have. But what's your why for education? Why did you get into this business? I love that question so much. And um, the, the reason I say that is because first, I recently kind of changed the tagline of my own podcast called Leader of Learning to be my why, uh, which is to help educators grow their impact as instructional leaders. Uh, and it's basically the same in my in my day-to-day work as an instructional coach, which is that I want to help teachers grow their impact as instructors. Um, and so... I don't know if you know this story, Ryan, or, or any of your uh, listeners, and, and I'll make a long story short. Earlier this school year still, um, or, or really between last school year and this one, I left my current role and my district as an instructional coach, and I became an assistant principal. And honestly, it didn't take me very long to realize that the position that I was in, the school, the district where I worked, was actually already taking me too far away from that why. Uh, and when I realized that I just wasn't going to have as many opportunities and as much time as I wanted to do what I just said my why is in education, to work with teachers and improve instruction, uh, I left again and I returned to my former district and in my former role as an instructional coach for digital learning because I enjoy it more. It, it better aligns with what I like to do in education, which is really working with teachers and improving and helping them improve instruction. And, you know, like I've already talked about, uh, help improve their mindsets and help improve or help grow them to a point at which their instruction meets the needs of, of modern student learners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan, that's great. I mean, you took the step to, hey, we're not just climbing the ladder to, you know, we're all trying to get get to be a superintendent. Like, Let's find our passion area and be passionate and be strong and, and lead there. Uh, that's such a great story. I think that's freeing for a lot of our listeners to to find find your spot, find the place where you really excel 
where your passion comes out and and be your best there. Talking about uh, this passion that you've got, and we love to share on our podcast, do you have a student story that you kind of keep in your back pocket that just kind of displays some of why you're in this work and why you stay so passionate about it? I do. Um, you know, this one actually has very little to do with uh, project-based learning per se, but the last, uh, I, I've been in coaching roles or administrative roles now for a while, but there was um, a period of about a few months where uh, I was I was back in the classroom. This goes back maybe three or four, eh, yeah, maybe four school years ago now. Uh, and there was a student that I had who the, the year before uh, I had her as a student, she and her brother, I remember, had a lot of attendance issues. And to be honest, uh, I never really got to know much about their home lives or, or the why behind why they were coming to school late. I just knew that um, it was a student who was going to need a lot of support. And the way that I ran my classroom was a, a way where uh, I front-loaded a lot of my planning and a lot of the instruction so that um, and, and I wouldn't call it a flipped cl- classroom, but it was more of like layered curriculum where everything was planned out ahead of time. You know what? Actually, this is a little bit of a project-based learning story, I guess. So, so you're, um, you're moving into that project-based learning yeah, area, I think. That's what it sounds yeah, like. It's funny now that I think about it. So basically, um, you know, I had my kids working on, let's call them projects. And it allowed me as a teacher to really sit with small groups of students and, and work, th- work with them to complete the task. And what I found was that this particular student um, probably was not going to be able to get the work done on her own and certainly was not going to be able to take any kind of work with her home to complete at home. And so what I found was that at least, at the very least, she was able to complete the work with me facilitating that small group session. And I remember that, um, you know, I I left that district or that position um, but prior to like the second marking period. But I certainly remember after the first one, all the the rest of the teachers on my team all failed that student for the marking period. But I I gave her a passing grade. It was the minimum. I think it was a 65. I just was convinced that she could do the work, the the minimum amount of work, uh, but she could do it as long as she had some support. And so, and, and I, I also knew at the time that she was being tested for and referred to uh, special ed or, or some kind of services. And so, um, I, I keep that story in mind because it just always sort of, um, you know, makes me refresh my memory on the fact that students are going through a lot and whether or not you can actually build a meaningful relationship with them, they still have some very basic needs that that we need to meet that may even, you know, dare I say, they may even come before uh, academic needs. And so that student had a lot of needs that she needed to be met before she could really do a lot of the work that we were asking her to do. But when we did ask her to do the work, as long as we were supporting her through it, she did. And so, I, I, that's one that I'll never forget because I just always think about um, how how different students are, how differently they learn from one another, and just how much support some of our students really need from us. Even at, and I'll say that was at the seventh grade level. So even at the middle school level and and high school level too. You know, we can't just expect students to do everything on their own, but we also can't do everything for them either. And so we have right. to like strike that balance. Yeah, and I I think you did hit on some of the core pieces we'd hit with project-based learning that 
Yes, it's content areas. Yes, we have standards and power standards that we're going to convey and help our learners master. But it's a lot of the employability skills or the life skills that they really need to find opportunity, sometimes with us in the school. Uh, but also, once they get out of the school, those are the skills that they really need to go find a job and open up other opportunities. So, yeah, that's a great story to to share. And um, obviously, we can hear that passion come through. And it spills over into the teachers that you're serving, which is awesome. So, I don't know that we mentioned it, but Dan, you've got a podcast, Leader for Learning. You kind of teased that a little bit, but it's called Leader for Learning. So, PBL Simplified Audience, add that to your podcast list, right? You've probably got seven to eight podcasts if you're an average podcast listener. So just put Dan's on there, leader of learning. He's got some great guests on there. And Dan, as you're talking to some of these guests or some of the educators you work with, uh, we know the problems that are out there. So can you speak to maybe one or two of the bright spots that are out there? What's really working right now? Yeah, well, thanks so much. You know, I've loved doing the podcast over the last uh, handful of years now. I'm up to somewhere around 135 episodes as we record this. And, you know, I tell people this all the time. It sounds a little selfish, but as much as I, I do try and, and remember that I have a, a listenership and audience who wants to hear from me and my guests, I, honestly, I kind of, I'm a little selfish and I, I, I put me first. I want to bring guests on that I can learn a lot from and uh, you know guests who inspire me a lot. And so some of the things that I'm that I'm seeing bright spots as much as I try and stay away from ed tech on my podcast because that's that's what I do. I'm an instructional coach for digital learning. To be honest, I think that what I'm seeing right now uh, more so than anything is leaders uh, kind of grappling with instructional technology. And the reason why I say grappling with is because a lot of teachers are fighting it right now. You know, we talk about resistance a little bit earlier. Um, and I've I've met this resistance myself in my role is that teachers were like, whoa, wait, during the pandemic, we used so much technology, right? We were on Zoom or, or Google Meet or Microsoft Teams, and we were meeting our students virtually. And it was crazy. You know, we had to use technology just to be able to, to continue teaching. And then we came out of the pandemic or we're coming out of the pandemic and teachers are like, I don't want to use technology anymore. Like they got burned out. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the leaders um, and, and people like me in, in technology coaching type roles who need to kind of step back and say, look, you're right. We use a lot of technology, but that's also what students need to kind of reach that next level. And by next level, I mean future readiness. Like they have to be able to use technology. So it's not about not using it at all. And it's not about using it every day, all day. It's about what we in the biz call blended learning, right? And that's part of project-based learning too. Uh, you got to find that balance again with how much is too much, but how much is not enough, right? And so honestly, one of the things that I've been learning more recently than anything on the podcast, I think, is is how leaders can help teachers find that balance. Um, and then in general, honestly, I'd be lying if I didn't say that recently, more recently on the podcast, I'm finding that leaders are just having such a hard time uh, in education right now, as are, as are classroom teachers as well. Um, and I certainly consider classroom teachers leaders too. That's like a whole separate conversation. But um, this sure. year has been really tough. And I think tough in a really surprising way. You know, everybody thought the the school year, you know, the end of 2020 into 2021 school year was going to be the hardest. 
But for some reason, this year has just been really hard between, uh, I'm just going to say it because I don't think it's a lie. And I don't know if I had the research to support it other than my own experiences as, as an assistant principal. Student behaviors are, student, negative student behaviors are seemingly on the rise this year. Classroom management has been more difficult this year. And, uh, and again, that, that difficult to balance amount of how much tech is too much it's really stressed a lot of people out. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm seeing that in, in the guests that I get to speak to on the podcast. And so uh, I'm hoping, you know, my, my hope is that next year will be, will start to be a little easier, but I'm also hoping that people find their own unique ways of improving that. You know, sometimes I think that education, educators and leaders try too much. They try more wholesale changes instead of just realizing uh, what is within their control and how much they at an, at a, an individual level can actually impact change. Um, and so I, I'm thinking that, you know, if times are really tough still, there's got to be something that you on an individual basis can do to help shift that and help make things a little bit better for you, your staff, your students, whoever you're in charge of. Yeah, I think that's the key right there, Dan, right? Like, so as we talk to leaders and I've got a mastermind of principals and superintendents, and what we talk about is like, just like with any initiative, right? If technology, too much technology is not good technology, right? So I think the key is, is how do leaders sift through, and this is really the leader's job, right? To set priorities and vision to say, we'll do this technology, but not that technology. Because you don't want technology... I mean, sometimes technology for technology's sake, I think, has a place. But right now, it's true. Things are difficult. So how does the leader sift through to protect teachers, to protect students, so that technology is a benefit and that it's not causing more stress, right? Like, how is it solving problems, not causing problems? So I, I think you're right in the midst of it, Dean. I really appreciate the work that you're doing, both speaking to leaders and uh, and I don't think it's selfish, right, to learn from your podcast. I love that you kind of put it that way because we do learn a lot when we do this, don't we? But you're also passing that knowledge on. So you're you're passing that on in a very unselfish way, I think. So, hey, two more questions for you because uh, I want people to be able to connect with you and your podcast. But before that, what would you say to principals who are on the fence um, about jumping in with project-based learning? That's a great question. I think that even before... Well, it depends on on what what we mean by jumping in, I guess, right? So, uh, assuming that school leaders haven't done much in the way of really getting their staff to be ready for project based learning, um, I'd say that first and foremost, you have to get people comfortable with, like I said before, that gradual release of responsibility over to students. You have to get, you have to be in a place where. The staff, you know, because the students are ready. Like people don't realize that students are ready to to take ownership and and be more empowered with their with their learning. Yep, it's that's the, right. It's the adults who are not, for the most part, right? So um, the staff have to be ready for for that shift. And I, actually, I, if I could, I'll give you an example. Uh, a few years ago, in, in my first go round in an administrative role and, and as a, an evaluator, uh, we were using. It wasn't the Danielson framework per se, or no, maybe it was. Maybe it was Danielson framework to to conduct our, you know, teacher observations and evaluations. And the very first one I did was with a teacher who I thought I had a a better rapport with than most. But 
this teacher was really annoyed, angry, whatever you want to call it, that they didn't get a higher rating in some of the areas on the evaluation. And I was sort of confused by that too, because here was a teacher who uh, was a former phys ed teacher turned classroom health teacher. So the, the teacher was already kind of out of their element in terms of being more of a formal instructor and no, no offense to, you know, phys ed teachers, um, but it's not like your typical traditional classroom style. And I think instruction needs to look a lot differently than in the, in the gym than it does in a classroom. And this teacher uh, I think didn't realize exactly what it took at, at least at first to really reach the higher levels that she needed to reach on her evaluation. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that jumping into project-based learning, you have to look at teacher evaluations because God knows, just like standardized assessment for students, I, I don't really believe too, too much in uh, teacher evaluations. But what you do need to realize is that on almost any teacher rating scale at this point, the higher the rating the more student ownership and student empowerment you're going to have. And so ideally, the best, the quote unquote, best teachers that you're going to have in your buildings are those who really get their students to step up their games in terms of owning the, the teaching and the learning in the classroom. And so when it comes to getting started on project-based learning, well, you have to get started on making sure that you're able to start releasing some of that responsibility over to students. Because if you have teachers who are just wanting to do everything by themselves, it's just not going to happen. It can't happen. Yeah. And I think, I think you did touch on uh, one of the reasons why if a school teachers, principals aren't going to project-based learning is you do need to move that direction. Like we do know evaluations are moving towards, we need empowered students. That needs to be a student-centered classroom. So really to support our teachers, we need to get training resources for them so they can move in this direction. Dan, thanks for being on today. What's the best way for people to connect with you and your resources? Yeah, thanks so much, Ryan, for having me. Um, the, the best way really is uh, Leader of Learning, as we said, is the podcast. So the, the website for the podcast and everything that I'm doing, including a YouTube channel as well, is leaderoflearning.com. Uh, and then on social media, I, I think I've I've gotten it to, pre, to be pretty standard across all social media is at Dr. underscore Krinus, which is K-R-E-I-N-E-S-S, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm even on TikTok a little bit. Uh, Voxer. I don't know if uh, anyone in your listening audience is on Voxer. I'm on there too. So pretty much everywhere. It's at Dr. underscore Krinus. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. We appreciate you being on today. Thanks so much. So there you go, PBL Simplified audience. You just heard from Dr. Dan Krinus. His podcast, again, is Leader of Learning. And he says there needs to be a balance for our technologies as we bring it to teachers. And also, we know that we need a student-centered classroom. So how are we going to bring training and resources to those teachers so that they feel qualified to do the work that they're so passionate about? So we really appreciate Dan being on. Go check out his podcast so that you can help engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms. <music>